0: the music. Now the preaching hadn't been very good this week, but the music had been absolutely phenomenal. And uh, I want to express my appreciation to uh, all of the singers. And I, I don't know, you, you have different choirs and ensembles and duets and trios and on and on. And uh, it, it, it's just been wonderful. And uh Thank you, Pastor Ferry, for feeding me so well this week. I, I think I've gained two pounds a day. That's better than a hog, okay? But uh, I've been to Thames at least twice every day since I've been here. And uh, that's the first thing I do when I get into Canada. I go to Tim's. You say, well, don't you have any coffee in the U.S.? Uh, and, and, and we do, but it's not, nothing like Thames, Amen. And uh, so thank, thank you all for helping me in so many ways. I'll tell you a little story, okay? You like stories, don't you? This is a good story I had today. Um, people are always calling you. For some reason, they call you and say, uh, we'd like to buy your house. <laughs> and and uh, So this, this fella called me like that. I'd like to buy your house. And, and I said, sir. Is there a for-sale sign in front of my house? He said, no, there's not a for-sale sign in front of your house, but uh, I would like to buy your house. And I, I guess I was a little bit rude, okay? you ever get tired of robo-calls? And I said, uh, don't, don't you folks have anything to do except just call over and over? I said, uh, you know, I, I get a, two or three calls uh, every week, uh, somebody wanting to buy a, a house. And I said... If if my house is ever for sale, I'll put a for sale sign on it. And he said, I, I, I'm sorry. He said, I, I know how you're feeling so forth." And his name was Ben. And uh, uh, we talked for a few more minutes. And I, I, I said, Ben, uh, I've, I've listened to you for a few minutes. Uh, I, I've got some good news for you. Would you listen? He said, well, according to what it is. And I said, it's, it's good news. You'll like it. And uh, I told, I said, uh, Ben, let me ask you a question. Do you know you're saved and going to heaven? He said, Well, no, I don't know that. Said, uh, and you know, you get the typical answer. Nobody can know that. I said, Oh yeah, you can know that. And I, I read him some scripture verses and and read the plan of salvation to him. And I didn't read it. I he I just talked about to it. And he didn't know whether I was reading or not. Amen. But. Uh, Anyway, bottom line was, he didn't get saved, but I said, uh, Ben, if you would let me, if you would text me your address, I will send you some good information, and, and I, I give a lot of people a little book, Done. I'm sure you've seen it, okay? But it, it, it's uh, so thorough on salvation, and uh, so I said, Ben, when I get back to Chattanooga, I, w- I want to see you, and... Um, he said, well, I'm not from Chattanooga, but I'm going to be here for a while. And I said, where are you from? He said, I'm from New York. But said, I want to buy houses in Chattanooga, and if I buy enough houses, I'll, I'll just move there. Uh, I don't know what all that housing mess is like that. Anyway, he listened so well. And by the end of the conversation, you could tell that God, the Holy Spirit, had spoken to his heart. So uh, if you get a robo call tomorrow, Be a good idea to witness to them, amen? Uh, Just tell them, say, hey, I listen to you, now you listen to me, okay? Uh, Open your Bibles tonight to Luke chapter 6, the Gospel of Luke chapter 6. And I'm going to read just two verses. And uh, this is a part of the Sermon on the Mount. In my Bible, everything on this page is read. Uh, that means it's the very words of Jesus Christ. But by the way, the words in red are no more important than the words in black because the Bible is the verbally inspired Word of God. And every word is inspired. But uh, the Sermon on the Mount, okay? I'm, naturally, I'm not going to read all of it. I'm, I'm just going to read you two verses and, and listen to them, Okay. Judge not, and you shall not be judged. Condemn not, and you shall not be condemned. Forgive, and you shall be forgiven. Do you notice? Jesus is saying, do this, don't do that. And here is the result of what you do or what you do not do. And then in verse 38, he says, give. And it shall be given unto you good measure, pressed down and shaken together and running over, shall men give into your bosom. For the same measure that you meet with all, it shall be measured to you again. So in verses 37 and 38, Jesus is giving some advice. And by the way, uh, it's good advice, it's divine advice. Advice from the God of gods and the Lord of lords. Jesus Christ. So let's look at verse 37 for a minute first, okay? Look what he said. Judge not, and you shall not be judged. You know what he's saying? If you will not be so judgmental about other people, then other people will not be so judgmental toward you. That's a good idea, amen? (laughs) Judge not, and you shall not be judged. And then he said, condemn not, and you shall not be condemned. Have you ever noticed that it's a whole lot easier to condemn somebody than it is to commend them? But guess what? Condemning people don't help them. Commending people help them. By the way, uh, how many of you men, and you need a little exercise, okay? How many of you men ate a meal prepared by your wife tonight? Would you lift your hand? Okay. Now, I don't know if you did or not, but when your wife prepares a good meal for you like that, Uh, it would be a good idea to commend her for that. By the way, if you don't, you may be like me and be eating TV dinners, amen? And uh, when you commend somebody for what they've done, they do it better. Uh, You commend your wife for cooking, she'll cook better, okay? And by the way, ladies... If you ever catch your husband doing something good, and and, and eventually you will if you wait long enough, okay? But uh, it would be a good idea to commend him for that. And then the next time, whatever that is, he will do it better. So Jesus said, condemn not and you shall not be condemned. We don't like to be condemned. Nobody does. So the way to keep from being condemned is you don't condemn other people. I've thought about this many times. Most of us as parents are very quick to condemn our children. And again, that doesn't help our children. So wouldn't it be good if rather than condemning them, we'd find something good to commend them for. Wouldn't it be great if all of us would live and be looking for somebody to do something good and then commend commend them for that rather than condemning them? Then he mentions one other thing. He says, forgive. Wow, that's a great word, is it not? Forgive. And you shall be forgiven. Have you ever done anything, said something, done something, wish you hadn't have done it later, and you really wish the person that you offended would forgive you? It might be a good idea to search your own heart tonight and see if somebody has done something to you and you have never really forgiven them and you would tonight, determined by the grace of God, I'm going to forgive them. Be tenderhearted one to another. Forgiving one another. Even as God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven you. You Say, well, they hurt my feeling. They said something about me. They did me wrong. Uh, If they ever ask me, I'll forgive them. Hey, wait a minute. They might not even know you have anything against them. You don't forgive people for their sake. You forgive people for your sake. And by the way, you're not big enough to carry a grudge. So good advice, amen. It's not from Don says. That's from Jesus Christ. And then we read verse 8:38. And by the way, I have probably quoted this verse as many, many times as anything in the Bible other than maybe John 3:16. And uh Many, many times, as I've quoted it, I've just run over it, quoted the verse. There it is. And not long ago, when I was reading through the Bible and I got to this passage, and I thought, good night. That verse demands more than just being quoted. It is filled with great truth. So let's, let's look at that verse tonight, okay? Give. And it shall be given unto you. So, guess what the title of the message is tonight? It's just give. I told Brother Rob that, and I said, "Now you'll have a hard time spelling that, okay?" But uh, he he got it right. He said it's J I V E. Okay, that's a joke. Okay, <laughs> I have to tell people when to laugh at my jokes. Okay. So give. Think about the word give. And by the way, God must have loved the word give. In your English Bible, the word give is found 811 times. Wow. Now, to be sure, many of the times when the Bible, when the Bible uses the word give, it's talking about something that God has given to us. Uh, for instance, in James 1, 17, we read these words. Every good gift and every perfect gift comes down from above, from the Father of light, in whom is no verbalist, neither shadow of turning. Now think about that for a minute, don't okay? you? Every good gift. In other words, uh, I believe James is saying this, everything you have is a gift from God. You say, well, Brother Sis, you're a preacher, so everything you have may be a gift from God. But I work hard for what I have. Congratulations. Who gave you the power to work? In him we live and move and have our beings. Who put you in a place where you could work? Go to some third world country sometime and you see people standing around doing nothing. And many times people go to foreign countries like that and they have the idea these people are lazy. They're not lazy. They can't get a job. They don't have anything to do. Isn't it wonderful? God has put us in a position where we can get a job, make money, take care of our families and so forth. Bottom line is, everything that God, everything that I have, and everything you have is a gift from God. He puts it in our hand, but it's really not ours. Okay, He puts it in our hand. You remember when the man gave one man one talent, one man five talents, and, and uh, two talents, another man five talents? But they were still his. He put it in their hands. He said, now I'm going on a journey. I'll come back. I want you to use what I put in your hand. Those people possessed that, but they were not the owners. By the way, it doesn't matter what you have, Your job, your company, uh, your retirement fund, your bank account. It's, It's really not yours. You're not the owner. You're just a steward of that. It belongs to God. In other words, God has given us everything that we have. Now, here's the amazing thing. God. created everything. For instance, Hebrews 11.3 says, now listen to this very carefully. Through faith, we understand that the worlds, not just this little planet Earth, no. Through faith, we understand that the worlds were formed by God. Out of nothing. he said. now, Brother says you're old. And you went to school in Kentucky. And back when you went to school, the science teachers probably didn't know about the Big Bang Theory, right? And uh, you probably don't know anything about it. You probably don't believe. Could I tell you tonight. From the depth of my heart, I believe in the Big Bang Theory. God spoke and bang, there it was. And by the way, that's exactly the way it happened. God, read Genesis 1, God said and it was. God said and it was. God said and it was. In other words, God spoke the world into existence. Now, here's the amazing thing. The God who spoke the world into existence, and Colossians tells us that all things were made by him and for him. In other words, it all belongs to him. And yet he says to every one of us tonight, there's something I want you to give me. Me? Give God something? The God that created the entire universe and the God who controls the entire universe? But he does. But that command comes with a great promise. Give and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over shall men give unto your bosom. Now this illustration, and that's exactly what it is, is an agricultural illustration. Most of the Bible illustrations are agricultural illustrations. And here's a farmer. He's a good farmer, okay? And by the way, God's a good God, amen? (laughs) He's a good farmer. And he wants to be sure when somebody buys something from him, they get all they deserve and more. So he says, Give. Here's God. And it shall be given unto you good measure. In other words, filled all the way to the top, good measure pressed down and shaken together. So here's a farmer and he's got this basket and he puts the wheat in it and he fills it all the way to the top. Then he takes his hand and he presses it down and then he shakes it and then he fills it up again all the way to the top. And he's saying, whatever you give to me, I'm going to give it back to you, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. I don't know if you've heard this uh, phrase up in your area or not, but down when I was born and raised in Kentucky, uh, we, we had a phrase called a baker's dozen. You ever heard that term? A baker's dozen. You'd, you'd go to the bakery and you'd buy a dozen donuts, And just to be sure that you got all you deserve, they'd put in an extra one. So really, you bought a dozen donuts, but you'd get 13. Now, that was back in the dark ages when I was young. Now, I think you go to the bakery and buy a dozen donuts, you probably get 11, amen? But it's a different generation, Okay. But in essence, what God is saying here is whatever you give to me, then you can be sure I'm going to give you something better than that, more than that, more than you deserve. Now, in the Bible, I am absolutely positive there are at least three things. and There may be more, and you can add those to your sermon, okay? But there are at least three things that I am positive that God wants everyone here tonight, anyone watching online or anyone watching at any time, that he wants you to give to him. Okay? Number one, he wants every one of us to give back to him at least 10% of everything he has given to us. And by the way, that includes everything you have. That's in the Bible called the tithe. When Virginia and I got married in 1952, a few weeks after we got married, we joined the Black Oak Baptist Church in Gary, Indiana. And uh, we hadn't been a member of Black Oak Baptist Church but a few weeks And our pastor, Brother W. Jones, got up and preached a very simple message on tithing. You know the scripture. Malachi 3. He read, Will a man rob God, yet you rob me. But you say, wherein have we robbed thee? In tithes and offering. Bring you all the tithes in the storehouse, and try me, said the Lord. If I not open the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing. And here I am sitting as a young married man, listening to Brother Jones preach about tithing. And uh, I, I'm sure I had heard messages on tithing before. But if, if I did, it, it, it's like a lot of my sermons for you. It goes in one ear and out the other one, okay? But I listened very intently that morning as Brother Jones preached about tithing. And I thought, good night, that makes sense. Number one. I don't want to rob anybody. But I sure wouldn't want to rob God. And yet, Brother John said, if you don't tithe, if you don't give God at least 10% of what he gives you, you're robbing God. Now, he didn't say it that day, but by the way, you're not only robbing God. If you don't tithe, you're robbing yourself. And it doesn't matter where your money comes from. Everybody ought to give at least 10% of everything God has given them. So at the end of the message, after when he gave the invitation, I went forward. And I said, Brother Jones, I believe what you preached tonight, this morning. And from this moment on, everything God gives me, I will give at least 10% of that back to my local church. And that's the way he preached it. He still he used the same Bible I use, the King James Bible, and he taught tithing is ten percent of all that God gives you. Uh, you. You give it to your church. The church is the storehouse, and uh, if you give it, then God will bless you. And I I, I thought that makes sense, and I'm going to do that. And Brother Jones prayed with me and that day, and then after we prayed. He said to the church, Don has come forward today and he's made a commitment to be a tither. And guess what? When he said Don has come forward today and he's made a commitment to be a tither, the treasurer of Black Oak Baptist Church did not jump up and say, praise God, now that Don's going to be a tither, our financial problems are over. In 1952, I was working for Keene's Foundry, making a dollar an hour, $40 a week. And I can hear somebody say, couldn't I? <laughs> if my tithe was just $4, it wouldn't be a big deal. I wouldn't mind it. But wait a minute. When you only have $36 left, that's not much, amen? Now, what are you saying? I'm saying when I made a commitment to tithe, it did not make an impact on the treasure of Black Oak Baptist Church, but it made an impact on me. Seventy years since that time. And I've never failed to give back to God at least 10% of everything that he's given me. Hey, by the way, can I testify? God is good at keeping his word. So God wants every one of us to be a tither. Number two, God wants every one of us to give something to missions. You say, well, Brother Don, this is not a mission conference, but it doesn't make any difference. I can't preach without preaching about missions, okay? But God wants every one of us to give something to missions. Uh, Let me give you just one verse. Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 7. And in chapter 8 and chapter 9, Paul is teaching the Corinthian Christians about missionary giving. And he gets down to chapter 9 and verse 7, and he makes this statement. Every man, according as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give. Not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth the cheerful giver. Now, listen to it. Every man, according as he purposed in his heart, so let him give. You know what I mean? That God is saying, everybody. Now, sometimes you say, you read that verse and you say, every man and all the women say, amen, let the men give. But it's not talking about gender. Every man, every woman, every boy, every girl. Hey, by the way, parents, Teach your children to give to missions. Huh? Everybody ought to give something every week to missions. Everybody. Every man according as he purposeth in his heart. I began tithing in 1952. 1968, I began giving to Faith Promise. I heard Dr. Billy McCarroll explain Faith Promise giving. And I began to give to missions. My first faith promise was $5 a week. Uh, Since 1968, uh, I've made 54 faith promise commitments. And every year for 54 years, I've raised my faith promise giving. Every man, God wants you to tithe. God wants you to give to missions. And guess what? Give, and it shall be given unto you. (laughs) Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Huh? Don't cheat yourself out of the blessings of God. Number two, I'm absolutely positive that God wants every one of us to give Him our soul. Hey, by the way, in the Bible there are several words that are similar, not the same, but similar. The word yield, the word commit, the word present, the word give. So God wants every one of us, every man, woman, boy, and girl, there's 7.9 billion people And God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And in 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 9, Peter makes this statement. God is not slack concerning his promise. Now, a lot of people, you know what they were saying? It's been a long time since... Jesus left. He hasn't come back yet. They began to think he's not coming back. And and they were talking to Peter about that. And and Peter said, wait a minute, wait a minute. God is not slack concerning his poem, but is long suffering to us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. That, that's a great verse, amen. God is not willing that any should perish. This is good and acceptable inside of God our Father, who will have all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of God. For there is one God and one mediator between man and God, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself a ransom for all, for all. Jesus died for the sins of the whole world. He is the propitiation for our sins, 1 John 2. And not for our sins only, but for the sins of the whole world. You see, Christ did not just die for a few people. He died for the sins of the whole world. And he wants everybody to be saved. Have a good thought for just a minute. Think of when you got saved. Now, for some of you, that might be like me. For me, uh, it it was 73 years ago, okay? Some of you may have been a few weeks ago. But, But what happened when we got saved? Listen to what Paul said. For I know whom I have believed... And I am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I've committed unto him. Listen here. For I know whom. He didn't say I know what I have believed. He said I know whom I have believed. Who did he believe? Jesus Christ. I know whom I have believed. And I'm persuaded that he is able to keep that which I've promised unto him. I got saved at a Youth for Christ meeting when I was 16 years old. What happened? I didn't know that. I didn't know any of these things at that time. But you begin to read your Bible and study the Bible and you learn something. What happened that Saturday night in 1949 when I bowed my head and asked Jesus Christ to be my Savior. Listen to it. Give and it shall be given unto you. I gave, I presented, I yielded my soul to Him. Okay, what did He give me? Here it is, okay? Now, I didn't know all that then. Number one, I went to church that Saturday night on my way to hell. I went home on my way to heaven. That's a good idea, ain't it? Uh, I used to lay in bed and think. I, I I didn't been to church much. I wasn't reared in a Christian home. Hadn't been to church much. But I'd, I'd been enough to hear about heaven and about hell. And I, I used to lie in bed at night and think, I hope I don't die tonight. If I die tonight, I'd go to hell. And I went home and laid on the same bed that Saturday night. And all I could think of was I may die tonight, but if I die tonight, I'll wake up in heaven. By the way, that's a long time ago, but it hadn't changed. I've had some real close calls with death, okay? But I've had the peace of God. If I die, I'm going to heaven. I went to church that night. I had physical life, but I was dead spiritually. I went home that night, and I had not only physical life, but I had spiritual life. Next morning, Sunday morning, I knew that. I woke up on Sunday morning. You know my first thought? I better go to church today. (laughs) That, That was unusual for me. I better go swimming. I better go hiking. I better go play basketball. I better go, no, no, no. I better go to church. And that morning, I went to church. And guess what? Church had changed. It was interesting. Even the preaching was interesting. Church had changed. Not really. I had changed. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Think of all the things God gave me. I went to geometry class the next Monday. And it was in that geometry class where Bill Welch invited me to go to the Youth for Christ meeting. He didn't give me a track. He didn't witness to me. He just invited me to go with him, and I did. I went to geometry class, and it was one of my favorite subjects, but it did not matter what question Miss Gladish asked that day. I knew the answer immediately, and I'll never forget. She looked at me. She said, Don, you seem to be extremely bright this morning. And I thought, getting saved makes you smarter, amen? Now, I'm not promising straight A's if you get saved, okay? But you just think of all, oh, what happened? My name was written in the Lamb's Book of Life. All of my sins were forgiven, amen. cast into the sea of forgetfulness, never to be remembered again. Wow. I gave my soul to Jesus. Hey, by the way, that's the only one to give it to. If you're trusting in your church membership, if you're trusting in your baptism, if you're trusting in your good works, it will not work. Jesus said it very plainly. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by Son. There's no other name given among men whereby we must be saved. If you have committed your soul to anything else, it will not work. Think about it. God wants you to give him your substance. God wants you to give him your soul. But more important than either of those, God wants you to give yourself to him. Listen to Romans 12, 1. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable servant. Question. Has there ever been a real time in your life when you made a total commitment to God? What does that look like, Brother sister? Here it is. I come before God, and I say, Dear God, I'm willing to be anything you want me to be. I am willing to do anything you want me to do. I am willing To go anywhere you want me to go. I'm willing to give anything you want me to give. Oh, you say, that would be dangerous, would it not? If I made a commitment like that, God would make me go somewhere and do something that I would hate. And I would be miserable the rest of my life. And if that is your thinking, you have a poor concept of your heavenly father. I love this statement. God reserves the very best for those who leave the choice to him. Have you ever really made a total commitment to God? I had a good friend that was basketball coach and athletic director at Tennessee Temple University. His name was Ron Bishop. Ron had a very similar testimony to mine. He was not raised in a Christian home. I think he got saved when he was 15 years old. But he tells about soon after he got saved, he went to a Christian camp. And at that Christian camp, they had uh, counselors from a nearby university. And, of course, they had young men counselors and young women counselors. And Ron said, there was one of those young ladies, and she was the prettiest girl I'd ever seen in my life. And he said, I really got a crush on her, you know. You know, younger boys sometimes get crushed on older girls. And he said, I, I couldn't take my eyes off her. And Ron said, I heard missionaries make testimonies, give testimonies like that. I told God I'd go anywhere but Africa, and God sent me to Africa. I told God I'd go anywhere but China, and God sent me to China. I told God I'd go anywhere but Russia, and God sent me. He said, I listened to those testimonies, and I began to pray. Dear God, don't make me marry that girl and go to Hawaii as a missionary. He said, sure enough, he didn't do either one. (laughs) Amen. (laughs) We serve a good God. When we give ourselves unconditionally, totally, to him, there is no limit to what God will do for us. God wants your... Substance. He doesn't need it. You're not going to make God any richer, but it's going to allow you to have the blessings of God. God wants you to give to missions so a lost and dying world can hear about Jesus Christ. God wants you to commit your soul, your substance, and God wants you to commit yourself to him. Now I want to close by giving the last part of verse 38. Look at it. For with the same measure that you meet with all, it shall be measured to you again. Now look at the whole verse again. Give, and it shall be given to you. Good measure. Press down, shaken together, and running over, shall men give you a business. For with the same measure that you meet with all, it shall be given unto you. <laughs> you know what he's saying? Just decide how much you want. With the same measure that you give, it shall be given unto you. Let me give you a verse. Psalms 81.10. 81.10. Psalms 81.10. Listen to it. I am the Lord thy God, which brought thee out of the land of Egypt. And By the way, in the Old Testament, when God wanted to show what he could do, he would give him that illustration. I am the Lord thy God, which brought thee out of the land of Egypt. Here it is. Two million people. I brought you out of the Egyptian captivity, led you through the Red Sea on dry ground. I'm the Lord thy God, which brought thee out of the In other words, I can do anything. And listen to what he says. Open thy mouth wide, and I'll fill it. Don't cheat yourself. Open thy mouth wide, and I will fill it. I began pastor in 1956. Christmas came. Mrs. Lynn came to my wife and I, middle of December. Now, this was back in 1956, Okay. You didn't have credit cards. You had accounts. You had accounts at grocery store, accounts at service station. She had an account at Jordan Furniture Company. And she said, Brother Don, I want you and Miss Virginia to go to Jordan Furniture Company and you buy anything you want, anything you need, and have it charged to my account, and that will be my Christmas present to you. And I said, okay, Miss Lynn, about how much should we spend? And she said, Brother Don, it don't make any difference. Whatever you need, whatever you want. That was dangerous. We were in Bible school. We needed everything we saw. We wanted everything we saw. We went to Jordan Furniture Company and Two of our members worked there, Buford and Ruby Day. They met us and showed us around. We looked at bedroom suits, looked at living room suits. We, we looked at refrigerators, and I, I thought that would be better than that ice box. Our young people say, ice box, what's the name? It's a box that holds ice, okay? As long as you have ice, you have refrigeration. When the ice runs out, your refrigeration's gone. We looked at carpet, I thought, man, that would be better than that linoleum rug on a cold winter morning. We stayed in Jordan Furniture Company for about an hour, looked around, looked at all kind of things. We needed them, we wanted them. But when we left that day, we were carrying our purchase. It was a magazine rack about that long. And the price of it was $5.00. And 95 cent. And we still have that. I tell you. It's a trophy of my stupidity. (laughs) But for every time I look at that magazine, I I think that you don't have to be a $5.95 Christian. You don't have to be a $5.95 church. You don't have to be a $5.95 missionary. We have the unlimited resources of Almighty God at our disposal. And the way we get them is, give. And it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Hey, by the way, are you a tither? If you're not, I challenge you, you are to come tonight to this altar and confess the sin that you are robbing God and commit to God tonight from this minute on, I will be a tither. By the way, 1952, I could have walked out that morning and shook Brother Jones' hand and said, Brother Jones, that was a good message. And not have made a decision that would not have done me any good at all. Same way when I heard Dr. Ben McCarroll t- talk about faith promise giving. I could have thought that's a good idea for somebody else. No. See, when we hear something, we need to make those commitments then. Give, and it shall be given unto you. It's not my word. It's God's word. Good measure. Press down, shaking together and running over. So man. Give. You know, bottom line, God's shovel is a whole lot bigger than yours. Let's pray together. Passion.